It is thrilling, actually. Uh, actually, what I want to pray, and then I want to talk a little bit, and then we're going to sing a song. And, uh, of course, we're going to be coming around this table because God has imparted some very powerful things uh, this last few days that have to be stewarded. In other words, our life has to be stewarded as we carry this out because the majority of what God does that has eternal significance is not seen by any human being. In other words, I'll never see the part of your life that God sees. And, you know, there's an analysis in this. And in fact, on that day, we live for that one day. I think it was Martin Luther who said, there's this day and that day. And on that day, we're going to get an analysis for how we steward the grace of God. And I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, Paul said, I make it my aim to please him. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. But let's welcome the Lord. And I think God has some things he's going to speak to us. And then we're going to sing a song and kind of get ready for what's coming up later today. So, Lord, I just thank you. I know this week uh, your word says that you brought us to your banqueting table and your banner over us is love. God, you brought us here. We didn't find you. You found us. And I thank you for that, God. Thank you for the life of this spirit that lives in us, God. Thank you, Lord, for a flame that can burn a fire that burns, a bush that burns and never burns up. How in the world does that happen? Lord, it only comes by the power of your Spirit. God, we have nothing. And so we welcome you today. Even as we share this morning, pray something be deposited. I pray that it would be from you, and we ask that in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to talk to you uh, just a little bit. This is kind of going to be a... Uh, smorgasbord of some things over the last couple of weeks. God's just been speaking in my devotions. And a word the Lord gave me um, before I even came to this conference was out of this passage from 2 Corinthians 12, verses 1 to 10. And there's a verse I want to focus in on, and then we're going to, a couple other verses I got out of my devotions. But the word that the Lord gave me was the word restraint. The word restraint. And it's this whole idea of of boundaries. And in fact, if you want to look at a word that in 2 Timothy, it's idea of the word restraint, is 2 Timothy 1.7, where it says, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but he's given us power. We want power. You want to see power. We saw some stuff happen with Todd White that was amazing. And that was a great thing. But there's other kinds of power. It isn't only displayed in that level. It's displayed in a lot of different ways. Power, love, but it's that word self-control. The idea of knowing how to rein in this life to keep in rhythm with the person of the Holy Spirit. And that's, that's a daily stewardship thing. You're going to walk out of here. All of this stuff's going to be gone. Now you are called to steward the, the power of Jesus, that's been, the life of Jesus that's been put in you. And so here's what it says. And, and how I got going on this was, I, again, I think Jody mentioned on Tuesday night, She's pumping on the NLT while I've been, you know, kind of going through the New Living. Well, in the New Living, in 2 Corinthians 12, 1, it says, This boasting will do no good, but I must go on. So the previous boasting, he's telling about his whole pedigree, and it's not really good stuff, like getting shipwrecked and beaten up and, you know, all the, all the kinds of negative stuff. He said, I'm going to go on. But I, this phrase struck me. I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. And... I had gotten this, I was in a meeting a couple of weeks ago with someone that is quite well noted in, among certain circles, 
And, and I got out of this thing. I'm like, God, why, why was I, I, something just did not sit right when I was there. And, and when I got out of there, I realized that the message was more about his visions and revelations than it was about, about the, the, getting back to the cross and who Jesus was, all right? So, so then Paul goes on, and he tells about this amazing experience. And in, in, in the NLT, he goes on and talks about, I was caught up in the third heaven, but in the other versions it says, I know, I know this guy. Well, he was the guy. I mean, he was the guy that did this. But he really was trying to say, I don't want... I'm going to talk about it. He was, in, he was in the third heaven. Whether he was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. He saw things you can't even put into language. And I'm telling you, we, do we not like totally want those kinds of experiences where we have this intimacy, this amazing thing with God? And he says, I was caught up into paradise. In verse 4, heard things so astounding it can't be expressed in words. Then he says this, and this is where restraint comes in. That experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. Wow, that is amazing restraint right there. Because we would really like to like create a... I, I, this would really sell in some tapes, man, for Paul. I'm telling you, it would. I only want to boast about my weakness. And then the verse... Let's look at this verse now, verse 6. The verse 6 is the one that really interests me. And uh, do we have that one? In the first Corinthians, or second Corinthians, it says, If I wanted to boast... Now, this is a very profound thing. If I wanted to boast... I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth. Now, next year in the conference, we have R.T. Kendall coming. He, he made this really amazing statement. He said, if we could, be, if we could, be more, if, if we could keep secrets better, God would trust us with more stuff. And I'm not, I'm not saying we don't publicize stuff. I, we want to promote Jesus. And we want, but there are certain things. And the reason he limited himself is because of this. He says, he says but I won't do it because I don't anyone, any, want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. So he's saying there's this line. And I'm telling you, I saw something last night in Sam, uh, in Sam that I really appreciated. He's like... I'm done. Pastor, could you cut? There's something about knowing the line of where Jesus ends and we stop. And you know what I'm saying? Where he shows us something and we manage it. Now, just to, now let's talk about the word restraint because go on here. Of course, then it talks about this messenger of Satan that God gave him as a gift. Now, um, as I was thinking about the word restraint, God put a restraint on Paul with a messenger of Satan to protect him so he would not become derailed by what God showed him. And I'm telling you, that propensity is possible for any one of us. When God starts doing a good thing, we can get derailed. So here, here's, here's, four, here's four things in my devotions over the last, four restraints over the last uh, couple of weeks. The first one, of course, is a restraint put by God, which was a messenger of Satan to buffet him. Paul said, I don't like this. And God says, well, you're going to get it because I love you. I'm protecting you. I'm putting a boundary. I'll, I'll, I'll put that restraint on you. And for Paul, that might have been unique because of the revelation. I don't know. But sometimes there's, there's limitations and we're like, I wish I would just get out of my life. And, and when we get to eternity, God's going to say, that was actually a good thing because it was like a total gift for me to protect you from stuff. You know, maybe whatever it is. Now, the second restraint 
is restraint we put on others even when they want to do a good thing. And let me just give you a quick story. I'm not going to read you the whole story. It, it was the story I was reading this weekend, a couple of weeks ago in devotions, about David when he was on the run from Saul. He's, it's, like, it's like, I want the anointing. Well, David really, I don't even think he was asking for an anointing, and this dude dumps a thing of oil on his head, and now he ends up having some crazy guy with a spear running after him, and he's like hiding in the wilderness. So you want the anointing? Welcome to the anointing. So he's in this cave, and perfect timing moment, God sets it up. Saul's out to get him, and they end up in this cave, and they end up in the same cave. Dave's further back, David's further back, and Saul has to take a potty break. You know, they didn't have any 7-Elevens out in the wilderness, so here they are. All right, so perfect timing. And his guys are telling him, this is the moment, man. Look at this. God's delivered him into your hands. And so David comes and he cuts a little fringe of, Paul, or of Saul's robe off. But then his conscience strikes him. And I'm telling you, the thing that gives us the power of restraint is a tenderness to the Holy Spirit. Because it's the life of the Spirit. It's Jesus who gives us self-control to be able to do this. So here's what it says in, I think it's uh, 1 Samuel 24. Um, do we have that verse? It said, the Lord knows I should have... No, is, that, is, that the, is that the right one? Okay, there it is. The Lord, knows I, I should, I, yeah, the Lord knows that I shouldn't have done that to my Lord the King. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord the King and attack the Lord's anointed one for the Lord has chosen him. Okay, verse 7. So David restrained his men and did, and did not let them kill Saul after Saul had left the cave and gone the way. What I'm saying is the, the restraining had to do with David having a bigger vision than his men. The men had the vision of sitting on the throne. David didn't have that vision. In fact, I'm going to read you a psalm right at the end here of what David was thinking about. They're thinking about, you can get this in your hands, man. This is power. David wasn't thinking that. He says, guys, stop it. Because David already had what he was aiming for, and that was God. And I'm telling you, that changed. that's where the power of restraint comes in, is you have him. So, that, so that's restraining others, even when they want to do a good deed. You have to have the power sometime to tell the people around you to say, you have to say, stop it. They, listen, there's a bigger thing than what you want to do right now. Now, that's restraining others. Now, let's talk about others restraining us, because in the very next chapter, David gets out of control. And it's a story of Nabal, and it's a story of, of Abigail. Nabal was a real bad dude. So here's what happened. David's, or Nabal's guys were sheep shearing, I think it was. And so David did a good deed. Nabal didn't even know this. David's protecting the sheep. He's actually a guy standing out there saying, let him go, let, you know, let him do this. And so it was a really cool servant act of David because that was David's heart. So then David needs some food. And so he sends a messenger down and says, look, tell these guys, can, I, can, we, can you guys help? You know, we helped you, you help us. Nabal's like, who is David? He's an idiot, or, you know, whatever he said. David got offended. Mm. And what happened was David gets on his war horse. And I'm telling you, when you're offended, your options narrow because it becomes all about you. You've got to really watch it when you're offended. Or when, and, and so, and he, he had done a good deed. When you're offended for doing something right, when you do something right, David did something right, and this guy did not help him, and now he's on his war horse. And so here, but then God puts an anointing on, on uh, Abigail, and she comes with this care package. And I'm telling you, thank God for the people in our life who show up 
to restrain us, to restrain us from doing something stupid. Because David would have forfeited, and she saw something bigger at that moment than David saw. And I'm telling you this. There are times that other people, when you get offended in your spirit, they have a bigger vision than you. And you better have any humility in your heart to listen to them because God will send them right next to you because they're going to tell you something. All right, so here's what it says of, 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 of Abigail. It says, David replied to Abigail, praise the Lord. Thank you that you finally, you, doing, I got back to my senses here. The God of Israel who has sent, whoops, I think, just go back to the verse. The God of Israel who has sent you to meet me today. Isn't that cool? God says, David, I got your back. Even when we're stupid and don't put our own restraints up, okay? So verse, the next one. Thank God for your good sense. Bless you for keeping me from murder and from carrying out vengeance with my own hands. David preempted because a week later, Nabal's out of the way and actually uh, David welcomed Abigail onto his staff. You could be my wife. Okay, there, so, you know, that was cool. <laughs> In fact, David had a very large staff, actually. I would not advise that in this. That is not a model for ministry, all right? All right, so we talked about God putting a restraint. We put about, talked about us restraining others. Then we talk, talked about others restraining us. But now we've got to talk about this thing that really is where the anointing is, is, the anointing of God is stewarded. And that's in our own self-restraint. Us learning to steward the grace of God. And I am telling you this, that God wants to give power in our lives. God, he's already given it. He's not given us a spirit of fear. But he's given us power. He's given us the dunamis of God. Just step out. You know, and, and I, I would echo a few of the comments that are made in this conference. I hear people say, oh, there's such a heaviness over this area. And I like, I'm reading the scripture. It says, lift up your eyes. The harvest is ripe. I'm like, at what place in the world does that not apply? Oh, it doesn't apply here because there's like this heaviness. Listen, Jesus said that. He's given us power and we can step out. And it's not just power. Let me just say, it's not just the power of... of um, of going out and laying hands on people witnessing. It is for that. We want that power. But it's the power to, like, love my wife in a way that, uh, you know, I'll, we got in an argument this morning over the toothpaste before I came here. Okay? And I'm thinking, you know, it's, I, I'm thinking, I, I mean, I got very convicted in my spirit, and I, I apologized to her because I was wrong. And I, I'm telling you, you laugh about that, but guys, this is the kind of stuff... This is the kind of stuff that wipes the anointing of the Holy Spirit out. We're looking at all the big stuff. God says, hey, let's talk about the toothpaste. Oh, God, I want to lay hands. Oh, look at this. Look at this. Thank you. Hey, dude, that, that was this is weird because it was exactly this very, look at, <laughs> he brought the same. Dude, get that out of here. Remind, love covers sins, man. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah, he, he Okay. I want to read you a little story um, that R.T. Kendall wrote in his book, um, The, the um, Sensitivity of the Spirit. Not the sensitivity to the Spirit, of the Spirit, all right? And uh, the, the Holy Spirit's very sensitive. And he says this, it's a story, a few uh, years ago. And by the way, this is a little prelude to next year's conference because he's speaking, all right? So I think he should send me a royalty or something for advertising. All right, so a few years ago, a British couple, Sandy and Bernice... Sandy, a male, accepted a call from, from their denomination to be missionaries in Israel. 
a house was provided for them in Jerusalem. After they moved in their new house, they noticed that a dove had come to live in the eaves of the house. They were honored to be living near Jerusalem and particularly thrilled to have a dove come and live there. They thought it was a seal of approval. They took it as a confirmation that the Lord, they're in the right place. A dove, that's cool. Then they began to notice an unsettling pattern in the dove's behavior. Every time a door slammed shut in the house or a voice was raised, the dove would be disturbed and would, be, and would flutter off, not returning for some time. This worried Sandy, the husband, and he felt they're in danger. We're not frightened off the dove. And so he said to his wife, he said, hey, have you noticed every time we slam the door, raise a voice, or it gets too noisy around here, the dove flies away. She said, I noticed that. So then they said this, either the dove will adjust to our behavior, or if we don't want to lose him, we better adjust our behavior. So what I'm thinking about in self-restraint is the term the ungrieved, unquenched Holy Spirit. The ungrieved, unquenched. So let's, those two words, ungrieved, unquenched. Ungrieved, unquenched. The word grieve makes the Holy Spirit sad. The Holy Spirit was sad this morning when I reacted like I did. What would restrain me? What restrains me is the fact that I want God's presence more than anything else in my life. I want Jesus Christ. I want him to notice. I want to be known in heaven. You know, I'm saying it's not about a reputation among ourselves. Now, if it, it'll leak out. I mean, you know, people, I thought it was kind of cool what Tom had said about Tom Flaherty and his devotional life. On, at our, we were in our national board meeting, he was talking about um, Tom Flaherty's devotional life. And, his, and you can feel that. Tom doesn't tout that. Tom would never say that. But you can feel it. But the, the part that'd really be cool to see is what God notices and what God notices about you what God notices about me. And the grieving of the Holy Spirit making him sad, you run down the list, it's attitudinal things, things like anger, outbursts of anger, all that kind of stuff. But it says instead, you put on him, which is kindness and gentleness and you know, forgiveness and, and all those kinds of things. So that's grieving, that's making the Spirit sad. Now you're talking about quenching the Spirit. What is that about? That's in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5. And, you know, we always talk about in everything give thanks. This is God's will in Christ Jesus concerning you. Well, there's actually three things, I think, in there. One is be joyful always. So joy makes the Holy, keeps the Holy Spirit's flow open, all right? And then it says um, pray, you know, pray, make sure that this goal is intimacy with God. I'm talking about what we heard last night, guys. In fact, this word restraint, it's the term where it's trimming your lamps, where you're trimming away stuff so that the flame burns brighter. You understand that? So that, that's restraint. And so that's where prayer, that's where seeking the Lord, that's where listening comes in. That's where waiting on the Lord comes in. That's, this takes time. That's restraining yourself from wanting to do other stuff and taking the yoke of Jesus, that's restraint, on you and learning of him. His yoke's easy. You get in this level of restraint. It's awesome because there's a freedom in restraint. That's a weird combo, but that's what happens. It's a powerful thing. And then it says, in everything give thanks. This is God's will in Christ Jesus concerning you. One of my goals this year is to write out at least a thousand things that I'm thanking God for. 
and I have this little journal. I'll think two or three things. I'll, I'll do a little, a little total of stuff, trying to run through stuff, and I hope I end up with a lot more than that. But it's amazing when you begin to thank God, because what begins to happen is you start looking back and say, oh my goodness, you did this, you did this, you did this, you God, and, you, and there's this, expo- and the Holy Spirit isn't quenched then, he's like the, f- in fact, it says, f- it's the idea of the flame of the Spirit. Don't quench him, let that flame of the Spirit burn in you. Let there be the flow of the living waters of Jesus that flow out of you, all right? So, I'm going, to conclude with, um, I'm going to conclude with one verse because this is what David was thinking about when he was on the run. Okay, this is what gave David the power to restrain himself was his personal, passionate pursuit of God himself, and he never lost that. He had it before he got the anointing on for the kingship, and he somehow kept going with it all the way through except... Down the road in his life, he screwed up totally. And there's something he did in not restraining himself, and it totally messed him up. And we don't want to be that guy down, down the line. But in this season, when he was on the run, David wrote Psalm 63. And I want to, I'll just read to you that, and then there's one verse that really struck me, and then we're going to conclude by singing. We're, we're kind of going to make this altar. We're going to sing... Uh, that's, I love it when Fran, Fernando Ortega sings this, Give Me Jesus. I mean, that's really, and we're going to sing, In the Morning When I Rise, because that's where the anointing comes, and then, And When I Am Alone, and then, And When I Come to Die. Lord, when I come before your presence, I want to be known as somebody that stewarded well my life, so that, like, I get a total amazing welcome. So here's what it says. All right. Uh, Psalm chapter 63. I'm sorry I did not turn to this, and I've got this tablet. And it says these words. David says, David wrote this. Now remember, he's in the wilderness running. What would be on your mind if all the armies after you and you're living in a cave? I'd be thinking, God, get that stupid army off me. Saul's an idiot, man. He throws spears at me. He's like crazy. The guy's insane. I mean, he just starts sobbing for no apparent reason, reading the scripture. The guy was, I would, they would, he would be diagnosed as some mental condition today. But he had, he had powers. So David's writing this. Oh, God, you're my God. I earnestly search for you. He wrote this, it says, at the time when he was in the wilderness of Judah. In this parched and weary land where there is no water, I have seen you in the sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I'll praise you as long as I live. Lifting my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. And these are the two verses that really struck me. And I actually was up in the middle of the night thinking about these verses a couple of nights ago. And here's what they are. This is Psalm 63, 6 and 7. I lie awake thinking of you. Now, most of us would have said, I lie awake thinking about Saul out there trying to kill me. David was thinking about God. Now, I don't know what struggles. I mean, you go back to your, this is going to be the discipline of our life. The struggles you face in your personal life, the struggles you face in church, the struggles you face with your own insecurities, we think about all that all the time. David said, I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. Verse 7, he says, Because you are my helper, I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. The power of restraint doesn't come from us. It comes from him 
but we have to position ourselves in the place to receive the power that Jesus gave us. I'm telling you, this is a decision when we walk out of here. I know I have, a, I have a process that I walk through in my own personal daily devotional life. I got something I do in the morning where I get in God's word and try to, you know, I've got this thing I do and spend, you know, a certain amount of time in the morning. Then I have a thing I do at night where I do this prayer walk and really cry out to the Lord. But I, but I really believe God's saying to me, I want you to come deeper because there's more stuff. And here's the whole thing. Wherever you're at, whatever place you've come to, God wants to take you to the next step in intimacy with him. Because he's the one that welcomes you to slip under the yoke that's his yoke. Not our yoke, his yoke. Because his yoke is easy. His burden is light. He said, come find rest your souls. But he says, come learn about me. It's about him. It's about learning about him. So I want to pray. And then we're going to just sing this song. I mean, give me Jesus. That's it. That's what we got today. You know, give me Jesus. And so we'll sing it. I want you to sing along with us and build an altar with it. We can go through it a couple of times and then you guys can get back to your regular life of learning how to walk in the Spirit. All right? So here we go. Father, we just come. Thank you, Lord, that sometimes you put restraints on us. Other times we're called to restrain other people, even when they have good intentions. Thank you, Lord, that sometimes you send people into our life to restrain us from stupid things we could do. But Lord, we take this call today and we take this promise that says you've not given us the spirit of fear. But Lord, you've given us power. Let there be an increase of power, of your power demonstrated in every detail of our life. God, let your love flow out of our heart. Pour it into our hearts, how valuable we are to you. And then let that value and that love flow to others. But Lord, this issue of self-control, Jesus, let that be manifest in your life in a tender walk, a tender walk. And Lord, we value this intimacy, the ungrieved, unquenched Holy Spirit. So let's go ahead. Let's worship.